Formosa Files is sponsored by the Frank C. Chen Cultural Foundation. Frank Chen, Chen Qi Tuan, served as the mayor of Kaohsiung City from 1960 to 1968 and founded the Kaohsiung Medical College. Formosa Files as a small island and one that has a troubled status, a country that's bullied, excluded from many international bodies, whether that's the UN or the World Health Organization, or having to compete at sporting events under the um, ridiculous, some might even say absurd name of Chinese Taipei. Well, Taiwan is a bit sensitive to international opinion, to criticism and also to praise. Basically, any Taiwanese person who succeeds on the international stage is lauded as a national treasure, the glory of Taiwan, Taiwan's Zikuang, and it, it can get a little overboard sometimes, but considering the, the circumstances, it's understandable. So, so, John, you recently asked me who I thought was the best-known Taiwanese person on the international stage. You mentioned a few names. Jimmy Wong, baseball fans might know him. Morris Zhang of TSMC, computer guys will know him. Pop stars like J. Joe and Ame, big in Asia, but in terms of name recognition to the average person around the world, it has to be Ang Li or Li An in Chinese. Yeah, and I guess I didn't think of him right away because he's lived in New York City since the 1980s, so perhaps he's more of a Taiwanese-American. But yeah, I mean, Li's movies, wow, what an amazing body of work. Yes, and two Academy Awards for Best Director for Brokeback Mountain and for Life of Pi. That's something special. Puts him in the company of John Ford and Steven Spielberg. Okay, so let's take a little look at uh, the background of Ang Lee. He was born in 1954 in Pingdong. That's not too far from Kaohsiung, where I live in the south, in one of those military dependence villages. So both of Li's parents were mainlanders who had fled from China at the end of the Chinese Civil War, the last one in 1949. Li, at two years old, the whole family moved to Hualien originally on the East Coast because of his father being transferred there to be a school principal. Ang Li has said that his eight years in Hualien there were the happiest of his childhood years. Yes, there were various other moves too. So it was an unsettled childhood, which uh, made it difficult to form lasting friendships. But the family finally settled in Tainan. His father was the principal of Tainan's top high school. Actually, the father concurrently the principal of the junior high and the senior high that uh, Lee attended. It must be a bit tough having a dad principal, um, especially when you're not a very good student. Lee says in his own words that he was a spaced out and passive kid. His main pleasure was going to the cinema on the weekend. So despite his father's pressure and best efforts in arranging tutors, Lee failed the all-important university entrance examination. That meant he couldn't go to university, well, at least for the year that he failed. So he spent the next year preparing for the next examination, and he took it again. And nope, he buckled under the pressure. The first time, he had actually come close to succeeding, but the second time was just total flunk. This was a huge disappointment for his father, who didn't just want him to go to university. He had hopes of him eventually being a professor. 
Lee's grades weren't good enough for a university, but he was able to enter an arts college uh, up in Taipei. This arts college has since become a university. So after graduating in 1975, he did his mandatory military service in the ROC Navy. Then Lee went to the United States in 1978 to study drama at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. Urbana-Champaign. Are those suburbs of Chicago? Nope. It's the same state, Illinois, but about two hours drive south of the Windy City, I think. Interestingly, Lee, back in Taipei and now here in the U.S., was more interested in theater than film. He studied acting, but his English made this difficult in the U.S., and he quickly switched his focus to directing theater. The most important thing that happened to Lee while at the university, maybe the most important thing in his whole life, uh, really, meeting his future wife, Jane Lin. Uh, She was from Taiwan, too, and doing a Ph.D. in biology. They met that very first summer, just Lee's second week in the country, I think. Ang Lee and a group of Taiwanese students drove to Gary, Indiana, near Chicago, to watch baseball games. Now, we did a Formosa Files episode on baseball recently of how Little League baseball was a huge thing in the 70s and 80s. The youngest kids were at Williamsport, but the next age up, so junior high students, they played in the city of Gary, and Taiwan was dominating the competition at that time. So anyway, on the way back home after the baseball, Lee sat next to Jane. They chatted, and Cupid worked his magic. After that, Lee often asked Jane to study and watch movies together. This became a romantic relationship, and they got married five years later in 1983. At that time, they were in New York, where Lee was finishing up a master's degree in film production at New York University. Lee graduated, having won attention and accolades for his film work, and a bright future looked possible, but leads didn't pan out. Success was always just around the corner, and the years rolled by. But of course, hope springs eternal in the creative arts. Always some new screenplay you're working on, some promising leads, ideas for new projects. But eventually, I suppose, there's some point where you got to throw in the towel. He would have given up his dream of filmmaking, but for his wife. She was supporting the family. They had a boy in 1984 and a second boy in 1990. She was uh, working as a microbiologist uh, in a lab, and she insisted that he persevere. Yeah, she at one stage, actually, her parents were offering help. They they offered a loan to their son-in-law to open a Chinese restaurant. Two orders of chicken chow mein, Mr. Lee. <laughs> yes, but actually, it wasn't just some random suggestion of, hey, why don't you open a Chinese restaurant? Because being a house husband for so long, Ang Lee had developed into an excellent cook. He probably would have made a great uh, restaurant owner, but his wife turned down the offer. Yeah, Lee was basically unemployed for six long years. During this time, a full-time house husband. Right, from the age of 31 to 37. Now, you could call them his wilderness years. That's pretty crushing. Um, Lee felt guilty about pursuing his dream while his wife was working. Yeah, let's face it. It's embarrassing for any guy, but especially for the eldest son of a conservative Chinese father. Sure. But finally, some luck and a sudden change of fortunes. Lee won first and second prize for two movie scripts, Pushing Hands and The Wedding Banquet. 
This is for a government competition here in Taiwan. When Li flew back to Taiwan to receive the award in person, uh, he had to borrow money for the airplane ticket from a friend, and he borrowed a suit from his younger brother. Luckily, however, there was prize money in these awards, and also further private funding for turning the winning script into a movie. His career had finally gotten underway at the age of 37 with his first feature-length film. 37. It、uh, doesn't sound that old to me.、Uh, mm. Well, not that old if he'd been working his way up the career ladder. But、uh, in this case, he hadn't had a career or, or a job. Exactly. But、uh, okay, now let's、um, look at his movies, which is also a good way of looking at the man. Because John, there is—we、uh, talked about this before. There is a problem when it comes to talking about Ang Lee. Yeah, he's a really friendly guy, but he doesn't like talking or writing about himself. He seldom gives interviews. He describes himself as being of very little interest, of not having a life outside of his films. He's a workaholic, and he says that we can understand him by looking at his films. Okay, so John, let's um follow the director's commands. So in the early 1990s, we have three films. Uh, what we're referring to as the Father Knows Best trilogy. So start off with Pushing Hands in 1991, The Wedding Banquet 1993, and Eat Drink Man Woman from 1994. Eric, have you heard the idea that an author's first novel is his or her most autobiographical, often unintentionally? But containing a lot of the author's own life experience and ideas. I have indeed heard that.、Um, you think there's much truth to it? As a general rule, yes. Do you think that's the case with Lee's first film, Pushing Hands?、Mm, okay, so Pushing Hands is about an elderly Tai Chi master from China who's moved to New York to live with his son and his family. The old man struggles, especially with the language barrier and culture. The father's loneliness and isolation very much reflect Lee's own years of loneliness and alienation as a foreigner,、um, and also the slow pace and boredom of the suburbs. So, yeah, I guess、uh, I can see it. Also, the language problem, speaking slowly and in heavily accented English, it was his poor English skills,、uh, after all, which convinced Lee to switch from acting to filmmaking. Pushing hands shows a conflict between Confucian values and individualistic Western values. It also deals with conflict between an older and more traditional generation and their children. And yeah, this was Ang Lee's experience with his father. Pushing hands、uh, has another connection with Lee's experience in New York. The backyard of the house used in the film—well, that was actually Lee's own backyard. Lee's next film, *The Wedding Banquet*, was a breakout hit. It made a lot of money, won a lot of awards, and made Lee a rising star. It's a fun movie, despite the modern topic. It reminds me a little of 1930s screwball comedies. It's the story of a gay Taiwanese man in、uh, New York who wants to get his parents to stop nagging him about getting married. He doesn't want to tell them he's gay. So the solution is a fake marriage to a Chinese immigrant woman looking for a green card. Just a registry wedding will do. But the parents decide to make the trip from Taiwan to help arrange a proper wedding. Yeah, it's great, and it's hugely autobiographical. 
it was made after Pushing Hands, but the screenplay was actually written back in 1987. Funding was difficult as it was too Chinese for American audiences and too gay for Taiwan. <laughs> Those autobiographical elements are Lee's conflict with his father, a highly traditional man who had difficulty accepting his son's choice to be an entertainer traditionally considered a lowly profession in China, um, attracting people of lowly moral character. Lee felt a lot of guilt about disappointing his father, um, especially as he's the oldest boy. Right. And to date, The Wedding Banquet is the only film of Lee's in which he's made an appearance. His cameo is as a wedding guest, and he delivers a funny line to an American guest. He says, you're witnessing the result of 5,000 years of sexual repression. His wife and uh, his two boys also make appearances in that film, I believe. Mm -hmm. In 1994, Lee returned to Taiwan to make Eat, Drink, Man, Woman, a film that depicts traditional values, modern relationships, and family conflicts in Taipei. The film was a box office hit and uh, also critically acclaimed. In 1995, Lee directed a movie in England, and which seems like an unusual choice. Sense and Sensibility, a film adaptation of the Jane Austen novel from 1811. A period English drama. Yeah, not an obvious match for a Taiwanese guy, uh, unfamiliar with British culture, the period and language. And, and this was no you know, small time indie production thing. We're talking about huge, big, massive stars. Hugh Grant, Emma Thompson, Kate Winslet, Alan Rickman. It was something of a culture shock for Lee, though. He came from directing in Taiwan, right? Eat, drink, man, woman, where in Taiwan, the director is an emperor. And now he's in England with these big stars giving unsolicited opinions about the filming. And, you know, I think the characters should say this. And I, well, what's his motivation for doing this? Yeah, uh, Emma Thompson kept a, a diary of sorts of the film making, and uh, she had some funny comments in it. After day one of shooting, she wrote, my first director's note criticism from Ang, very dull, a bit of a blow, uh, <laughs> then don't look so old, which didn't help. No. And she mentions an incident. Uh, they're shooting in a stable, a stable scene with horses, and uh, Ang Lee started to smoke in the stable, and he was advised against it twice. He thought they were joking. He had to go outside to finish his cigarette. Emma Thompson writes that Leanne found it funny and perplexing. He, quote, stood smoking in the rain and described how in Taiwan he would be followed about with chairs, ashtrays, wet towels, tea, and constant attendance. We all stood about and looked at him and laughed, end quote. <laughs> Culture shock indeed. So Ang Lee is a, a talented director, a hard worker. Really, one of the secrets of his success is being able to tell American and international stories and bridge the, the language divide. And in particular, the American stories, what's helped him immensely is his long and fruitful relationship with James Seamus, an American independent film producer. James Seamus has collaborated with Lee on most of his films right from the beginning, whether as a producer or a writer or both. His adaptation of The Ice Storm won him the Best Screenplay Prize at the 1997 Cannes Film Festival. Yeah, The Ice Storm, a drama set in 1970s suburban America. It was Lee's uh, next film after Sense and Sensibility. And then there was Ride with the Devil, 1999. 
that's an American Civil War drama. Both were mostly praised by critics, but were rather lackluster at the box office. <laughs> lackluster at the box office. Yeah, that sounds a lot better than they lost a ton of money. But no need to worry about that for long because Lee's next film release just one year later in 2000 was a huge, to say the least, hit. We're talking about Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, the martial arts film. It was an international effort with a crew funding stars from multiple countries, and it was filmed in China, and it was a smashing surprise success worldwide. I saw this film back in New Zealand in a cinema, and it was something of an event, a non-film festival cinema showing this kind of film with subtitles. Chinese dialogue and English subtitles. It was a new experience. And uh, myself and the audience, uh, we were feeling very cosmopolitan and rather proud of ourselves. Now, that sounds funny, a bit stupid, but uh, it was true. I, I know what you mean. It was similar in the US. Ang Lee actually remarked about this at the time. He said, quote, I grew up with subtitles and it's so unfair. It's time for the American public to read or the international public to read. There's a big world out there that has a lot to offer. The cultural exchange is so one way, unquote. And I, I agree. One could argue that without this breakthrough, you know, the popularity these days of Korean dramas or other Asian content that might have never gotten off the ground or might have been a lot slower. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon became the highest grossing foreign film in many countries. It brought in something like $200 million worldwide. It also won tons of awards and its success inspired imitators. Yes, I remember thinking its success might mean more than just some copycat films. I thought it might be more than a passing novelty that uh, with the rise of China, we might see a whole new genre for Western filmgoers. Uh, but I was wrong. <laughs> the coming decade would be dominated by superhero movies. Definitely dominated. Yeah. And one of the early ones was Ang Lee's next film, Hulk, which was the movie I took the person who would become my wife. Our first date was to see Ang Lee's oh. Hulk. Yeah, it's a big budget Hollywood superhero movie. And uh, she she was not really all that impressed, to be, to be honest, with, with, <laughs> with me or the movie. An odd choice for a date. And it's, a, <laughs> it's an odd choice for uh, for Ang Lee, right? A superhero Hulk, originally from a comic book, I think. Yeah, part of the Marvel universe. And uh, from the way you talk about it, um, I deduce that you're not a huge fan of uh, comic book movies or comic books. Well, I appreciate the artistic skill and hard work that goes into comic books, blah, blah, blah. Come on, uh, they're for kids. <laughs> okay. Well, Lee, coming from Taiwan, would not be as prejudiced as you are against comics as, you know, comics or manhua, uh, Japanese manga, as we call them here. They're, they're a huge part of, of local reading culture. Do you remember those comic book rental places that used to be in every neighborhood uh, since killed off by the internet and smartphones? Actually, they were dealt a, a near mortal blow, but it, it hasn't been completely fatal. There are some stores, one actually not too far from where I live, and my daughters still occasionally rent manhua um, comic books. But yeah, anyway, Lee's film of the Hulk was released in 2003. It made money, but received mixed reviews. It's a strange movie. I actually found a lot of it quite interesting, um, aspects, various scenes, but Overall, the general consensus was not satisfying. It didn't really work. 
yeah, the CGI Hulk character, that big green giant, was, I recall, one of the most complex computer animation projects ever done up to that time. And yet it looked like a cartoon, uh, a puppet. Lee says he actually considered quitting filmmaking after the film, and I guess after the criticism that came with it, but ironically, it was his father who encouraged him to continue making movies. Yeah, in an interview, uh, Lee said that on a trip back to Taiwan, his dad had told him to continue making movies. Uh, Lee says, quote, he saw Hulk and loved it. I don't know why, end quote. The father told him to put on your steel helmet and keep rushing forward. The first time, I think, that his father uh, praised one of his films and also the last, sadly, Ang Lee would receive a call not long after from his younger brother telling him that his father had died of a sudden illness. So Lee indeed did put on his steel helmet and kept going. And he made another surprising choice of film subject matter. The film was Brokeback Mountain, a simple romantic drama about uh, forbidden love between two Wyoming cowboys played by the late great Heath Ledger. And Jake Lennonhall, it follows their doomed relationship over the years from 1963 to 1983. And it was a critical and box office success, won Lee an Oscar for Best Director, numerous other awards as well. And it was a cultural phenomenon. It really was a film that made a difference. You have to admire Lee's fearlessness and taking on different kinds of subjects. And with this film, a controversial one. Yeah, yeah. It's easy to forget now, but this is before LGBTQT people gained any equal rights or even acceptance. Um, John, you haven't seen Brokeback Mountain, have you? No, uh, but I've heard good things about it, uh, including from you. Yeah, I think it may have uh, really helped change the, the thinking of many people and perhaps even uh, important people like you know judges who later uh, helped change laws. In any case, next up for Lee was Lust Caution, set in Japanese-occupied Shanghai, China during World War II. I have seen that one twice. I loved it. I've not seen uh, Lust Caution, uh, nor Taking Woodstock. No, I haven't seen Taking Woodstock either. I got to put that on the list. Okay, let's move forward to 2012. And we have one that uh, perhaps more people have seen, The Life of Pi adapted from the novel of the same name, written by Jan Martel. The story is about a 16-year-old boy from India called Pai, who is the only person to survive the sinking of a freighter on his way from India to Canada. The main character finds himself in a lifeboat with various wild animals, an orangutan, a zebra, and a tiger. During this difficult, weird journey, questions about belief and the meaning of life are explored. Sounds impossible to film. Lee actually had to rely heavily on 3D special effects in post-production. Some of the actual filming took place in India, but most was actually done in Taiwan. The film crew was in Taiwan for five and a half months, including at the Taipei Zoo and in the Kending National Park down here in southern Taiwan. The ocean scenes of the film, however, were shot in a giant wave tank that they built in central Taiwan in Taichung. The Life of Pi is visually a beautiful movie, but the ending for me, well, I disliked it a lot. It's not the fault of the film. It's the fault of the novel. Yeah, I have to agree. I, I, I love the book and the film's premise right up to the end. If the animals had not been stand-ins, okay, you know what? Just go read the book or watch the film and, and you can decide for yourself. 
Okay, well, this is a good place to stop. And let's end with a high because Lee won a second Oscar for that film. And there was a huge Taiwan element to that movie. So, John, any thoughts? Yeah, uh, a lot of thoughts. I see Ang Lee has been working on a boxing film about the famous heavyweight match between Muhammad Ali and Joe Fraser in Manila in 1975. Oh, the so-called Thriller in Manila. Yes, but why not tell the story of Taiwanese decathlete C.K. Young and his heroics at the Olympics? Yeah, C.K. Young, the Iron Man of Asia. As we said in season one, episode two, it has all the winning ingredients for a movie. Lee should tell a Taiwan story, something epic, um, like the exodus of mainlanders from China to Taiwan, or even a Hong Kong story. The films he grew up with that inspired him were made by refugees from Shanghai who fled to Hong Kong, a city now under the PRC jackboot. And of course, there's his father's story, fleeing the communists, his father, whose own parents were executed for being of the landlord class. I'd like to see Lee turn from the small ball subject of emotional repression to real life repression, whether that's the exodus from China of nearly two million or the continued threat from China. This subject is in Ang Lee's very name. Uh, his name? Yes. To quote him, my dad named me Ang Lee because the ship my dad took when he came to Taiwan was called Yong An. Yong An, uh, eternal peace. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, John, uh, you, you, you had quite a few thoughts there. Did you feel good to get that off your chest, uh, your, your little rant there? Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I agree with you to many degrees, but I am just thankful for Lee in general, happy that he is uh, constantly referred to in the press as Taiwanese or at least Taiwanese-American. He's raising the profile. Uh, he's a good ambassador for Taiwan. Yep, yes. He's just all in all, he's a, he's a nice guy, a good person, a great human and a great director. So uh, thank you, Mr. Lee. And yeah, if you can make a, a story about uh, Taiwan, that would be great. But keep on putting on your steel helmet and uh, rushing forward. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to Formosa Files and we thank you for doing so. I'm Eric Michael Smith. I'm John Ross. 